Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got Johnny Crypto coming in with the notifications already rolling. Mr. Johnny Crypto is in the building. We got Mario, the node defender, making a special appearance on the show. And of course, we got Jackie, the crypto juggernaut. So I'm very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Swift is going digital. As our global technocracy is evolving every day, we show our listeners why the banking system must use digital assets. We're going to break down how these technologies give our leaders a massive advantage over competition. Cardano has received a $200 million investment focused on enhancing the ADA ecosystem, as former Goldman Sachs executive Raul Paul is predicting an economic collapse, stating that during this downturn, he's buying crypto. The digital euro development is moving faster than ever, as a decision will be made this month on whether to issue a CBDC by 2026. With Quant and Ripple both connected to this new system, we discuss the impact a European CBDC could have on the global markets. Former SEC Chair William Hinman is being exposed as an Ethereum Alliance member, being paid to promote this cryptocurrency. After meeting with Ripple for five times over the last few years, does he really believe XRP is a security? With BlackRock launching a new ETF in Europe, the world is becoming increasingly more digital. We show our listeners which projects are set to succeed, highlighting the tokens with the most potential. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So guys, if I'm looking a little different this morning, that's because I'm coming at you live from Miami. My house was taken out by the hurricane. And of course, I'm just kidding. But we're going to start off with Johnny Crypto this morning. Johnny Crypto, we got so much news prepared, but everyone's focused on Swift partnering with Chainlink. So I'd like to get some quick remarks on that and how you feeling this morning, my friend. Well, for, first of all, I, I'm feeling great, but you know, to all you guys down there in Florida, especially to people in Naples, Florida, I saw photos of uh, of uh, fire ta- fire engines halfway underwater. So my prayers and wishes, and and you know, heart goes out to you guys, sending you high vibrations and love down there. For anybody who's been impacted by this hurricane, I hope you're safe. So I want to say that first, Abs, glad you're safe and you got the hell out of there. So that's good. Uh, second of all, Mario, holy cow, there's a new face. We haven't seen that. Look at that baby face. It's been on so long. He got younger. Look at him. So great to see that. <laughs> and then Jackie, of course. Well, we, I was going to say, where's Jackie? But there's Jackie. So Jackie, good to see you. And, and last but not least, good morning to all the warrior maniacs out there today. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys being there every single day like true warriors. Don't forget to smash that war, that like button. Give the warrior elbow drop. And we got some great stuff to get into today. Can't wait to hop in. Awesome, Roto. Thank you for making time for us, my friend. We are only three minutes in, and we got already 115 live listeners joining us. So show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to be breaking down some stuff you have never seen before. We have global banks showing the utility of XRP. Mario, I'm going to you last because you're our special guest for today. But Jackie, they are calling for you in the live chat. What's on your mind this morning? And thanks for being here. Dude, Joe Biden's calling for me in the news. And I'm, <laughs> I'm feeling good. Jackie, we found you. He couldn't find you, but we found you. <laughs> I know. I know. 
Man, it, it feels good to be wanted. I'll just say that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> awesome, Jackie. Glad we got some behind the scenes, but we got Mario, the node defenders in the building. So Mario, we know you've been on a sabbatical. You've been traveling the world for the last couple of months. You look younger, but how are you feeling? Yeah, man, I'm not exactly traveling the world. Yeah, these are the effects of not being in crypto for a while. You, so you Your skin starts looking better. You know, you start to sleep better. You start to like realize things like, you know, walking out on the street and birds and stuff like that. But no, all jokes aside, I have been still paying attention to crypto. I've just been dealing with a lot of personal stuff. So it's uh, I just popped on to say hello. Selman was running a little bit late, but I know that he's in the background. Um, I just popped in to say hello to everybody. I truly miss everyone. I hope everybody's doing good. I hope the people down in Florida are staying safe. Uh, to anybody down there, I hope you're good. But um, otherwise, yeah, really happy to be here. Good morning, everyone. Awesome, guys. We're excited to have you, Mario. And shout out to Jaden on this beautiful Tuesday. Sorry, Thursday. But we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That's at 3TGM Crypto. You get access to every single member of our team. And we're trying to break that 2,000 follower mark. So go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is still sitting in extreme fear at a 22 this morning, Johnny K. And this is pretty standard for the last couple of months. We've just been ranging here. When we get into the total coin market cap, this is a little bit more interesting. As we're sitting at $930 billion this morning, Bitcoin is 40% dominance. we got Ethereum at 17%. Bitcoin is sitting at $19,200. Ethereum is $1,300. XRP taking a nice little dip, sitting at $0.43. Cents. Same with Cardano. Chainlink is the main story from today, and the price action there was a little bit exciting. We're up 15% on the seven-day, sitting at $7.85 this morning. We got Algorand at $0.34, cents, and we're going to cover Quant, which is sitting at $134, Johnny Crypto. It's pretty interesting. One of our favorite news outlets, you today published an article about Quant yesterday, highlighting how they're going to have real use cases with the CBDC. So I'm excited to break that down for our listeners. But what are some of the projects that you're keeping an eye on, Johnny? You know... There is well the one that I'm starting to focus on right now, and obviously we know that Quant and, and Quant and Chainlink are going to kind of go at each other, right? Those two from that perspective, but Cypherium is the one that I'm kind of keeping an eye on right now. Going to be doing some you know, doing some more research looking into that one because obviously with the connection to the Fed now, that's just one of the ones that I want to make sure I've got in my bags. Don't want to miss the boat on that one. So that's kind of I'd say right now. I mean, you guys know all the other ones I'm into, so it's no point in repeating them all, but. That would be the newest one that I'm you know, starting to deep dive. Mario, one of the most exciting things happening today is that we've got Swift partnering with Chainlink, and that's going to make their entire system able to use any blockchain they'd like. So this is pretty exciting news, and we always talk about how Quant has that capability. Now we have the largest banking institution on the planet using Chainlink. So I'd like to hear really quickly what that means to you, and then we'll get into some news for today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's massive news, but I think that the charts haven't really reflected how big of a news that is. I mean, we do see a little bit of price movement, but you know, if this had come out in a, in a bull run, we would have seen an explosion in price. So, um, you know, opportunity, this is an opportunity for anybody that doesn't have Chainlink. They've maybe been on the fence about Chainlink. This is a great time for you to get in. This is a confirmation of like good news as far as what's going to be used, uh, you know, Swift with, with Chainlink. But, but yeah, that's what it means to me. I got to add some Chainlink to my bag, but I'm going to wait for a little, a little pullback. What a time to be alive, Mario. The fact that we're going through this shift and we have the awareness, that's the game right there. But we're starting off with some Jim Cramer news. As Jim Cramer is saying, not only is this bear market over, it's time to hold your nose and buy something. What this tells me is that we're probably not in. We haven't reached our market we're bottom. Going down. I, I see Selman G has joined the live chat. Selman, first of all, good morning and thank you for being here, my friend. I hope you're feeling better. You were a little bit under the weather. But one of the things I want to focus on is Jim Cramer is telling people to buy assets. That's a huge red flag for me. What's it mean to you, Selman? Hey, it's it's funny. Last time we really said, you know, this time, you know, Jim Cramer might be right because, you know, sometimes you might want to mess with the people. And it feels like every week he comes up with something new. Tomorrow he says, I think it's going to go down. Today he says, hey, it might be a good time to invest. Like, what the hell is going on there? So, um, you know, it's just noise in my opinion, guys. It's very important that you have your game plan. If not, you're just another uh, ship without a rudder right so just focus on that and trust me doesn't matter if elon musk comes and t says this is going to happen that is going to happen doesn't matter if you have your game plan any storm out there won't shake you from your from the ground so um we're gonna make it 
Awesome. Thank you, Salman. And we got 174 live listeners. Before we dive into the news for today, show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto, I want to get some closing remarks on this Jim Cramer article because we haven't talked about the rat snake weasel index in quite a while. And we know our main man's at the top of that thing. So what are some of your thoughts about this article? And then we'll get into some cool news. Well, the rat snake weasel spoke and he basically said it's time to buy. So that means don't buy. <laughs> don't, don't buy yet. You know, we've always been saying that we thought we'd be seeing a lower low. We thought we'd see maybe these things bottom out. In the in the November-ish, or at least I should say, we you know, kind of here on this show, we've always felt a good chunk of us think that the November-December time frame will be the bottom. So, you know, I think James Kramer just proved it for us. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Time will tell. Thanks, Roto. And I want to remind our listeners that if we continue to follow a traditional four-year cycle, that market bottom, statistically, it would come in sometime in November and December. So there's there no surprises go. there. We're still following this four-year cycle, as crazy as things are. But Jackie, I want to get some closing remarks from you. I definitely don't want to skip you on this article. Because Jim Cramer, he's an RSW, but do you take his word? It's time to hold your nose and buy something. Dude, I want to buy a t-shirt, Rat Snake Weasel. That's like the <laughs> first thing. That I, before, before cryptocurrency, I want to buy a t-shirt first. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, honestly, guys, if you're sitting on the fence, this is kind of, you know, my uh, two cents, I guess, out there to people that are listening. If you're sitting on the fence and you're one of those people who are like, oh, no, should I buy now? Should I wait till November, December? Buy some now and buy some then. Like dollar cost average. Um, at the end of the day, we DCA, at right? The end of the day. Oh, I like that too. More t-shirts. No, I'm just kidding. Sorry, it's trademark. Yeah, I can't make it. Yeah, hey, stop using my trademark so I'm trying to get some shirts made. <laughs> Awesome, guys. And before we dive into our news, I want to show our listeners one really cool thing. There's a great educator out there for the XRP community known as Kevin Cage. And he actually gave a shout out to our boss and fearless leader, Coach JV, yesterday. He said, Warriors rise, get your shit together, baby. So that's a great theme for the episode today. But we're starting off with the Bitcoin price chart as this thing is actually looking bullish. As you can see, we formed that double top in 2015, 2019. And then we had a massive run up just 12 months later. Mario, I know you're limited on time, so I want to get your opinion on this article. Check out this Bitcoin price chart. What do you think it means to you? Could we be going lower or are we about to get an optimistic price movement? We could. And you know what? Every time that like the more and more that the time these last couple of months and, and the next few months develop, the more that I think that we will actually not form lower lows just because so many people starting to call it and we see so much volume come in every time that Bitcoin dips down, which tells me that people are actually buying this level. People are going aggressive at buying this level because they are forming they are they are basically looking at the past, looking at the fact that Bitcoin in the last in the last bull run went as low as the previous all time high, and so that's what we're doing right about now. We're at nineteen thousand, which was the uh, the high of 2017, 2018. So, you know, until history until history proves us wrong, I'm just gonna keep thinking that this is probably gonna be our bottom. And the fact that so many people are calling for a lower, you know, macroeconomic uncertainty definitely you know black swan event definitely could push this thing lower but otherwise you know i'm just going to keep expecting what what the past has, has shown us shout out to gonzo right now he said volume is jumping and the whales are defending the bottom we're showing our listeners a really interesting chart right now showing that the nasdaq the s p bitcoin and altcoins are all reaching a key level of support and this could be optimistic for the market but mario brought up something really important which is that everyone's anticipating this black swan event johnny we are in the most difficult time of the year. I'd like to get some closing remarks here, and then we'll get into some news. Yeah, I kind of agree exactly with Mario. I think we will see a test of a 17.5. If there's some kind of weird black swan win, I, I think that's what it's going to take to get below that to go down and then reach. And then if we do drop 17.5, we're going right to 12.5 uh, looking at the charts. So to me, I think 17.5 is probably probably a very, very strong bottom. But given some black swan event, I think that'll take us below it. If not, you know, if I see 17.5 again, most likely I'll be scooping a little bit more. Actually, I ain't going to lie. That's kind of what I've been waiting for. If we see it, I'll be scooping a little bit more up there. And then if we hit that 12.5, then obviously there's going to be monster buying in the 10 to 12,000 range. There's no way it's dropping below that. But I, I don't even think we're going to get that without a black swan event. I totally agree with you, Johnny. And one thing we know for sure is if we are going to get a Black Swan event, we're not going to know about it because then it wouldn't be a Black Swan event. So the fact that everyone's anticipating that, I think that's actually an optimistic sign for the market. We got over 200 live listeners joining us right now. We're about to dive into our first news article for today. So show us some love. Smash that like button. Former Goldman Sachs executive is predicting an economic collapse. And of course, he's not alone. But here's what's unique. During that collapse, he's loading up on crypto. So Raul Paul says he's loading up on crypto assets as he expects the economic data to dramatically deteriorate over the next several months. 
The Goldman Sachs executive says that risk on assets such as stocks and cryptocurrencies should not drop much further as economic turmoil has already been priced in. We will see economic data over the next few months utterly collapse. And the question is, what's going to happen to the markets? Does that mean that equities need to go lower or crypto needs to go lower? My viewpoint is that I don't know, but possibly not much lower. And the reason is that a lot of this news has been priced in. This is the most negative sentiment I've seen in any survey during the last 40 or 50 years. And these are terrifyingly negative sentiment. Johnny Crypto, I take a different approach to that. He's talking about how everything is so negative and everyone's so sure that these markets are about to go down. That's an optimistic view for me. If we do see some of these lower price points we've been talking about, whether it's 18,000, 17,500, it could be a great time to buy. And that's what he said. He said that if we do get a short-term collapse, he's purchasing those assets. Do you agree with Raul Paul? Yeah, uh, well, first of all, let me just say happy 2008 Shamitha anniversary. I guess we're hitting that today. So today is that special day when the markets crash. So we'll see what happens this month if we get that. You know, you are seeing a shit ton of negative talk about everything going down lower and lower and lower. And usually when you're hearing that, you see the big boys are buying that up. So it's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, barring any kind of, as I just said, black swan event, I would suspect we're pretty damn close near the bottom. Is there a little bit more to move back and forth? Is there a drop to 17.5? Maybe. Maybe there is a little bit in, in there, a little play in there. But uh, overall, to me, I've been telling you guys all summer, I've been DCAing in, and I'm going to continue to DCA in. Um, in fact, I'll probably DCA into Cypherum very shortly here in the next few days or week. But the reality is, yeah, no, I think we're – I think. see, here's the thing. For me, I know you're never catching the bottom and you're never catching the top. You want to be somewhere within that, you know, 20% from the bottom, 80% from the top kind of rule, right? So for me, I feel like – we're close enough to the bottom that even if we went down another 5 or 10% or 20%, I'm not going to lose sleep at night. If I lose 90%, I'm going to be pissed off at myself. But to know that we may only go down another 5 10%, that doesn't really bother me. And I saw something, a statistic somebody sent yesterday, that the low, um, the historic low in the stock market was like 33%, and we're around 25 right now, which means we have about another 8% to go. So maybe there's a little bit more low, but I'm not I'm not that worried anymore about DCing here because I feel we're close to the bottom. Thanks, Roto. And I want to get some thoughts from Selman because we know the printing press is inevitably going to turn back on. And that's what Raul Paul is stating within this article. Raul Paul still expects the Fed to pivot back to lower rates, boosting risk assets. I'm a believer that the bond yield markets are going to come down in a sharp turn, but then expect a positive sentiment quickly after that once the Fed changes their stance. Selman, you're not an American citizen, but we know that the Fed controls all these global markets. What are you anticipating from the Fed? And what's going to happen when they turn the printing press back on? We're already seeing England turn their press on yep um last time we covered that i've I've actually shown the the charts bond yields are just skyrocketing it's definitely not sustainable and we're gonna see the trend reversal happening soon Uh, there is big bearish divergencies of course that could change you know it's all based on or affected by political events but most likely uh we are gonna see a a flip-flop by the fed and with that the the yields will go down, maybe a little shake off. I, I've talked to our, you know, members. I told them that with that trend reversal, we could expect one last shake off before the rally begins. But all assets out there, Dow Jones, S and P, they're forming a bullish divergence. And of course, if everything goes as as you know predicted, and um, the midterm elections are right around the corner, then most likely. Uh, we could see another rally coming. October has traditionally been bullish. And so if you see yield can't really hold that anymore, it's just not sustainable. Uh, Rally is right around the corner. The Fed has no choice but to turn on the printing machine. And uh, with that, of course, you guys know, uh, the Fed really didn't, um, you know, sold any assets. So they're scared. They can't do it. And if you check out, if you go to fred.org, you can see the data there. They nothing really changed. The 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 assets that they're holding is pretty much just going sideways, right? Or maybe just went down a tiny bit. That's it. So um, this is why I believe, okay, the markets are going down, but Bitcoin is just ranging. This means Bitcoin is really getting less volatile and less um, dependent on the major indices, and something could be happening very soon. 
Very cool, Selman. And I want to get some thoughts from Jackie on this latest comment. We have a liquidity. Liquidity is soon to flood the market, but before that happens, we're going to need a final squeeze to scare the retail investors away and let the executives buy at cheap prices. Jackie, why don't you close us out on this article? We know the Fed is going to reverse their sentiment and stop increasing rates at some point. When do you anticipate that happening? I believe it could be early 2023. Yeah, um, I, I hate giving exact times, but I think... I think you're right. Um, that is kind of the sentiment of what our team believes as well. Um, I do want to thank uh, Gonzo, Billy, and Selman for the TA that they provide, especially to us members in the academy. Um, we've gone over, gosh, we've gone over technical analysis of not just the charts in crypto in the stock market, but also Billy had put together, you know, some some technical analysis of like presidents whenever you know, elections come around and what happens to the markets at those times. So those deep dives, you can't get anywhere else. Um, so super appreciative of all the different perspectives that kind of help us get a game plan together. Awesome. Um, Thank you, Jackie. And what's really cool right now is we have an update from BitBoy talking about the XRP lawsuit. And what's exciting here is there's supposedly rumors behind the scenes of a settlement talk has been underway for several months. So we're going to let the short clip play and get comments from the group because all of our XRP listeners they're going to be excited after this clip. So I'm going to let this play. Here we go. Have you heard anything about a, a potential settlement that was maybe broached or anything buzz around that? I did hear something yesterday, and I'm not going to say the source, obviously, but what a question. it was. <laughs> I never told my sources, but it was from a, it was a source of the source. So this person told me that they had heard um, that. Yeah. The uh, that Jay Clayton actually, when the Ripple case was brought in December 2020, Jay Clayton had been in favor of settling pretty much right off the bat. Wow. Can you believe that, Johnny Crypto? They said so many important things in that clip, but what they ended it with was a fact that William Hinman met with Ripple's counsel just three weeks before the lawsuit was filed. We're going to break down some details onto how many times Ripple actually met with the SEC. I'm just realizing that we weren't on screen that entire time, but we're going to start with Johnny and work our way down. Johnny, I'd love to get some of your thoughts. They talked about a settlement and how the fact that they have inside sources, they've been proven wrong so many times. I'd like to hear if you think this is credible. You know, it just makes you wonder if behind the scenes they were putting it all together to say, okay, hey, we're going to go after Ripple. We're going to come with these guys. We're going to smack them around a little bit. And then we're going to settle with them, right? And that's probably sounds like that's what Clay, well, you heard it now that that's probably what Clayton's plan was. Unfortunately, either Clayton got fired for that or Clayton was, you know, on his way out. Either way, I don't know the story there on why Clayton left right the day before they, they did it. Maybe it was one of those things where Clayton was like, hey, I want to settle. And maybe the powers of be said, no, we're not settling. So you're out. I, I don't know. But that's, that would be one logical scenario that could be. But it is fascinating that, yeah, it goes to show you, like, hey, they're like, hey, let's just get some money out of it. Let's keep moving on. That's kind of, you know, what the settlement would have done for the for the SEC. So instead, to drag it out two years makes you wonder. you got to ask the question, like Gusko said, why drag this out when the former head of the SEC wanted to, wanted to settle immediately? Very, very interesting question. Very interesting question indeed. And Johnny Crypto, I don't think it's a coincidence at all that Brad Garlinghouse and the Ripple lawyers are coming out and speaking against the SEC, making bold claimants, calling them hypocritical, saying they're anti-law. I think there's good reason for that. And they know things that we do not know behind the scenes. But I want to go back to Jackie here. Jackie, we're talking about a settlement happening with XRP. That would be pretty exciting, but I want to go into a little bit of a conspiracy talk here. Everyone talks about how when this settlement comes, we're going to get a massive pump in price. What the heck would XRP investors do if a settlement comes and you check the price and we're still below a dollar? Oh, man, I'd sell. I'd sell it all. No, I'm just kidding. Um, man, that's a good question. Honestly, I don't think that that would happen uh, just because there's so much riding on that. It, no. But if we are still below a dollar uh, and the settlement <clears throat> comes, I... Uh, I still wouldn't sell, uh, and I don't think anyone else should either. Because if a settlement comes and it's in the, you know, that's in the positive direction, that obviously means that it's accredited, and the fact that it will be used um, as the rails in the financial system. So, if the price doesn't pump, then it will eventually down the road. So, never, never sell. Awesome, thank you, Jackie. <laughs> I know that BitBoy hasn't been super credible with his settlement targets or his price targets, but what is interesting here is he's interviewing this guest who does have some inside sources. We got 250 live listeners out there joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're about to dive into some XRP news, but before we do that, I want to get some thoughts from Selman. Selman, really quickly, we're approaching the end of this lawsuit, and things seem to be more optimistic than ever. Why do you think the Ripple employees and Ripple executives are more comfortable criticizing the SEC publicly as opposed to just a couple of months ago when they were silent? 
I mean, it's a rhetorical question you're asking there. It kind of looks like they know they probably, you know, their lawyers, et cetera, the whole um, environment there, everybody's super bullish on the case now. They know, they see clarity, they see light at the end of the tunnel now. And they're super optimistic that um, they're going to go for, you know, I don't know if they're going to go officially for a settlement, but it, like both ways, I feel like Ripple is going to, you know, succeed. And um, yeah, this is probably why they're so open now. And before that, it might also be um, not allowed for Ripple employees to to talk about this case too much because there was so much unclarity in any single word they, they use here and there, right? You know, David Schwartz, for example, is not really allowed to speak here and there on, you know, on streams. Uh, he has to get um, uh, like, you know, the, the, the team has to approve it first. And just like that, any single word you put out there could be used against you. And so this is why probably they were waiting for so long. Now there's clarity. Now they know, okay, we're about to smash it. You know, this is probably why um, they're so active now here and there. Kenton, you're not alone. I'll be crying with you, my friend. But we got 256 live listeners. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Look at the news we're about to get into as Swift is partnering with Chainlink for cross-border payments. This is not conspiracy. Swift is using the blockchain, but I know that Mario is a little bit crunched for time here. So I'd love to get some closing remarks with the XRP news, Mario. We're seeing XRP become more optimistic than ever. Why don't you give us some closing remarks? What's on your mind? Yeah, the way I've been looking at it is like, we've been seeing Brad Gowlinghouse just be all over mainstream media. Uh, he's coming on. He doesn't look, you know, he, he looks professional. He looks composed. That is not the behavior of someone that's that's about to lose this lawsuit or or even knows something about losing this lawsuit. So a settlement could come out at any time. And I think the worst thing we could do as investors is expect XRP to do this humongous pump because if it doesn't, you're going to be crushed. If you're putting all your eggs on that basket, you're going to get crushed because it may not happen. You know, manipulation. Let me just leave it at that, right? Manipulation. You know, it, it's amazing news if the settlement comes out but manipulation could prevent the price from doing what everybody hopes it does. And again, it's not fun. I'm just saying as an investor, stay composed. Don't set that expectation. And I do want to say, guys, it's been a blessing. Thank you so much for these 25 minutes. I do have to run, but I'm sending everyone a lot of love. And I will be back on the show next week. Love you guys. Thank you, Mario. Don't worry. We only gave you half your paycheck because you could only make half the show. But thank you. <laughs> I'm obviously kidding. It's always great to see you, Mario. I miss you, bro. I love you. Sending you love and high vibrations. But let's get back into the news for today. As XRP is breaking down the clear use cases, making this thing a currency and not a security. Johnny Crypto, I'd like to get some thoughts on the lawsuit from you. But also feel free to address this. The central bank of this country that I can't pronounce broke down more than seven real world use cases. I think the SEC should check out this list. What's it mean to you, man? Yeah, well, first of all, I just want to wrap up what Mario said because I think he's so right and so true. Is when we look at the XRP lawsuit settlement, everybody's expecting it to go to ten dollars when it settles, right, or three dollars. It's not. Let's look at this one. Here's what I'm expecting. I, actually, I don't care what anybody else. Says. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen, and nobody's going to like it, but I don't care. I'm going to tell you anyway. So when you look at XRP before the lawsuit, it was around sixty-five to seventy cents. All right. Then we got the lawsuit, and that was before the, the bull the bull run happened. Then we got. The lawsuit, which dropped all the way down to 20. Then we got a bull run in a suppressed XRP, made it only to about $1.90. So logically, the way I think about it is, okay, now if the lawsuit is removed again and everything comes back, logically you would expect it to go back up to somewhere in that 70, 80 cents range again. And if we were in a bull run, then you'd expect it to eventually make a big pump who knows where. But we're not in a bull run, folks. We're in a freaking massive beer market right now. So to me, I know everybody wants $3, $5, $10, and I hope I'm wrong. But logically, to me, it would make sense that we would go at least back to where we were, somewhere in that 70 to 80 cents range, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little higher, give or test, plus 10, minus 10, 20 cents. Maybe we're sitting somewhere between 50 cents and a dollar, and we're, and we're, and we're just kind of going and we're fluctuating back and forth, consolidating in that range after the lawsuit until – the next bull run and that's when we go so that's what i'm kind of thinking that's kind of like my expectations and if i'm wrong great then i'm gonna be happy if i'm right well then i kind of knew what i thought was gonna happen so i could be right could be wrong i don't know but that's kind of kind of what i'm at and uh you know i'm not trying to pee on the party i just think logically we're not in the bull run market right now so you have to kind of add that to your thought process when you think of where the price could go right now 
You're spot on, Roto. And why, one of the reasons I think this list is so important is because in order for an asset to qualify as a security, one, the company that's investing in that must be specifically responsible for that asset's success. And number two, that asset must have no real-world use cases. And what we're showing our listeners right now is a clear list of real-world use cases produced by the Central Bank of Byron. So I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. It says XRP is provided for an on-demand liquidity solution using RippleNet. Some of the other use cases that they have found is that it's able to do Forex, which is currency trading, escrow, real-time cross-border payments, peer-to-peer purchases, central bank IOUs, decentralized exchanges, online voting, and I'm sure we could add a few more use cases to this list. Johnny, what catches my attention here is the fact that they're talking about peer-to-peer purchases, decentralized exchanges, and online voting, but we already got your opinion, so I'm going to Jackie. Jackie, what do you think of this list? Jackie! Yeah, I think all of these things are definitely what XRP will be used for, but I think there's many more to come, um, especially with the fact you know, even even attending the conference, and I know I bring that up, but there was just so much um, information that was given there. You know, there's they have things in development and looking further down the line um, than just this list alone. So that gets me really excited, especially I also kind of want to we should kind of talk about the XLS 20D. I think that's a big thing, um, especially because we've got our dear friend Salman here. Um, even when that comes out, you know, that expands this list exponentially with the fact of being able to launch nfts on the ledger as well so it may be Selman, we could give an update um with the how that's going right now just to our listeners um and to be on the lookout for that because that's another big catalyst you know xrp a lot of cryptos have catalysts right now backing them xrp i believe has the biggest and and most right now as far as being able to affect the price we talked a little bit about the settlement um but as far as, you know, XLS 20D, that's a huge one backing the price. There's just a lot of things. Yes, with so much positive news happening with that project. Selman, I'd like to give you the floor to close it out. We're about to break down the partnership between Swift and Chainlink, showing our listeners why that project could be a hidden gem. We got 243 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. You are looking at the most consistent crypto team on the planet. And I'm going to kick it to the CEO of Collective Lab. Selman, what do you think? Yeah, the XLS20 update is right around the corner. Nodes and validators are actually asked to upgrade to the the latest version 1.9.4. And with that, automatically they vote for a a yes. And currently consensus is below 50%. So we still got, you know, time. And it could happen in a month that we have XLS20 finally. And we're all waiting for that. And, you know, one of the big use cases, I believe, Johnny, you've been there on the non-fungible show the tokenization of illiquid assets, right? That's going to be huge. The real estate market itself is the global market cap is 326 trillion. That was back in 2020. I don't know uh, what it's at in 2022, but you see the use cases are insane. You need a very fast and secure blockchain and a highly decentralized blockchain, which is obviously Ripple, right? So, and voting in the future, you're going to have your elections on the blockchain. And, um, not just in the U.S., worldwide, we're going to use the blockchain to do that. And maybe Ripple could take a big market share there um, unless the governments decide to create their own blockchains. But, <laughs> hey, Ripple is there, has established for almost 10 years now. And uh, why not? Ripple has this um, these great partnerships and it is a lot, you know, very much promising. Thank hey, you. Just, so much. Oh, hey, just real quick to hop in there. I just want to say for all you who didn't. Joined yesterday, the NFT show. Go check out the NFT Fungible show with Selman and NFT Tones. They had a great guest on yesterday in Proppy talking about realize, uh, tokenization of real estate and how to do that simple. So that was a great show. Great, great information there. A lot of people, I think, got some good information. So go check that out. Should be on here on the channel, NFT Fungible show yesterday. Good job, Selman. Awesome, guys. And if you're looking to see the second best show on this channel, check out the non-fungible show. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Selman's here. I'm just kidding. But Jackie, I'd like to give you the chance. Just give us some closing remarks, and then we're getting into this really interesting news because the world's going digital, and now the banking system is taking that next step. But give us some closing remarks on Ripple, and then we'll get into this news. Yeah, just going back um, to XLS 20D, we do have a big project um, coming out in the Academy. Uh, this will be the official you know, 3T Academy NFT Um Coming from Coach JV, we are launching through Collecti. Um, so we're super excited about that. So when this passes, I mean, that's just another catalyst, you know, having having this team, having Coach JV um, behind that. I think that, that that's going to in turn increase the price for sure. So super excited. Keep your eyes on 
that um, and that will help guys. A big utility of that is coming to, you know, conferences and events um, for the academy. So if you haven't really heard anything about that, um, take a look into it, reach out to us um, and we can get you more information. Awesome. Thank you, Jackie. And let's get into this really important news for today as Swift is going digital. Swift is partnered with Chainlink for cross-chain crypto transfer projects. Here's the coolest part. It's going to connect any blockchain to the Swift system. Oh my goodness. So let's dive into this news. Swift has partnered with a price Oracle provider Chainlink to work on a proof of concept project that would allow traditional finance firms the ability to transact across all blockchains. Chainlink co-founder announced the project at SmartCon 2022 in New York. That was yesterday alongside the strategy director of Swift. It's undeniable interest from institutional investors into digital assets and traditional financial players want access to these new assets. The proof of concept utilizes Chainlink's cross-chain interoperability protocol, allowing Swift messages to instruct token transfers across nearly every blockchain in existence. This will accelerate the adoption of digital ledger, digital, or sorry, this will accelerate the adoption of distributed ledger technology. And the Swift interbanking messaging system is the most widely used platform on the planet, connecting over 11,000 banks around the world in over 140 countries with an average of 45 million messages per day. Can you only imagine if all that value was starting to go through the blockchain? Johnny, one of the things that stuck out to me in this article is the fact that they're accelerating the use of distributed ledger technology. Typically, we connect that uh, statement, distributed ledger technology, to Quant or to Ripple, but here it's being used with Chainlink. So I'd really interested to hear your thoughts. Is the only way to profit off some news like this by investing in Chainlink, or does this is this big for other projects as well? Because we know that Ripple and Quant are both connected to the European CBDC. You know, this is why I say on the show all the time that you have to have multiple horses in the race and you have to have diversification. Because frankly, I would have loved for this news to said they were partnering with Quant, right? And you're going to see Quant and Chainlink fighting for over, over this kind of space, the two of them, because they do similar things. So for me, I'm excited because I have both in my bags and I do believe those two are going to be the two heavyweight fighters, you know, kind of like you got, you know, Muhammad Ali and, and George Foreman fighting for the title, right? You're going to have these two. So I don't care who wins. Because if I'm betting on both guys, I win, right? And that that's thats the whole point here. That's what we're doing here, folks. We're here so early. We're here before we know who the winners are. Because when you know who the winner is, guess what? It's too freaking late. And the price is skyrocketing, right? You don't want to know the winner after the fight. You need to be, you got to have the winners before the fight. So, you know, it's funny. I was just checking the link price. And this news didn't even move it, right? It kind of is down, which is fine. That's what I want to see, right? Because I don't want to see a... Buy the buy the news, buy the rumor, sell the news deal. It's kind of still just going along solid for me. Link at seven dollars, frankly, between you and me is is a again. I'm not a financial advisor, not financial advice, but I think it's good enough value where I'm starting the DCA at that point. So I, I'm I'm excited about this news because I know there's going to be more and more of this kind of stuff happening between Link and Quant, and I don't know who's going to win, but I'm just happy to see it. And at the end of the day, we'll find out who the winner is. But this is big, you know, big in, for in terms of seeing adoption overall this stuff has to happen because without communication among interoperability between chains nothing happens guys we're just going to sit here staggering in a silo effect of something that's limping along but when something brings them all together that tells me that you know the ability for adoption to come sooner or faster or more efficiently is on its way Johnny, shout out to you. I want to tell, speak on something that you taught me. Back in the early 2000s, before they released TCP IP to the internet, the internet was very basic, right? So once they released this new technology that allowed these chains to interact with each other, it expanded the use cases of the internet dramatically. And I think we're experiencing the same thing, not only in blockchain, but in our banking system. So before we hear from someone and Jackie, maybe you can speak a little bit to the connections here between what Swift and, and Chainlink are doing and TCP IP when the internet was first launched in the early 2000s. Yes. Oh, can you speak to the connections there? Is, is this a similar event was my question. Yes. This, were, were you asking Selman or me? Johnny Crypto is sleeping at the wheel, people. No, no, right no, my beat. camera going. There we go. No, this is exact. abs. That's exactly right. I actually attribute this exactly to that same key enabler that TCPIP was. Link and Quant is going to be that. And I don't know who's going to. And I'll give you another example. So you had TCPIP that kicked that off. When you look at where we are today with wireless communication, with your phone talking to everything, your headset, a, guess what? That's called Bluetooth technology. Well, before, there were five different protocols there. People figured, is it going to be Bluetooth? I forgot the other ones at the time, but there were a bunch of them. And it turned out in the end, Bluetooth won, right? But had you bet on only one or two, you would have lost. 
Here, same thing. You got Link. You've got Quant. You've got um, what is it, Adam. There's other ones that are kind of similar to do this. And again, we don't know who's going to win, but but they this is going to be similar to that same kind of event, that trigger, that key enabler to get us to the next level to, to Web 3.0. And Johnny, what I love about this article is they said that this is not an option for Swift. If they're going to survive, they have to adapt. This new partnership is yes. allowing... It's allowing financial institutions to gain blockchain capability without replacing and developing new technologies. MasterCard CEO even went out on a limb and said that he doesn't expect Swift to exist in five years, and that's likely due to the rising competition. So this is one of the ways that Swift can survive. Love to get some thoughts from Selman, then we'll end it with Jackie. Selman, what does this article mean to you? And feel free to speak about Chainlink. I know you're a very smart guy. Thank you so much. Uh, before, before I actually say something, I want to say this, guys. If we put a smile on your face today, then hit the like button. I'm telling you, this is one of the few crypto shows out there where you can also, you know, have so much fun while watching. This is insane. I'm, I'm always having fun. Here. Uh, thank you so much, Abs, Johnny, Jackie, and uh, the whole crew. I actually want to tell you this. Um, imagine Walmart is a big company, and because it's pretty much in the U.S., the one of the biggest, right, um, uh, market there as grocery grocery stores. Um, it doesn't mean that others are doomed to fail or that, you know, Walmart maybe conquered the U.S. market. But that doesn't mean that another supermarket chain can, um, you know, uh, conquer Europe maybe or Asia. Right. So there are many opportunities. If Swift, of course, it's a big one. That doesn't mean that, wow, Swift um, works with Chainlink. So Ripple is going to fail. No, Ripple has crazy partnerships. Right. Maybe not with Swift, but it's actually we always call it the XRP is a swift killer, right? So um, MasterCard CEO, well, in five years, Swift could fail. They need to adapt to the new um, transition, of course. I don't think that um, it's going to be there maybe, but at some point it's going to be that selection. Um, the market will um, find another blockchain that is faster and really covers um, the demand. And Ripple has this, and many other blockchains have. HBAR, for example, are also great, right? Uh, these kind of blockchains. So I believe there is going to be that war, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Ripple is doomed to fail, that Swift is doomed to fail. It's just, you know, they can cover different markets maybe. But at the end of the day, the one with the better innovation and with the better networking uh, skills um, is, is pretty much, you know, um, the, the, going to be the big gainer. And Ripple, in this case, you know, with Bahrain, you talked about them and many others. I mean, we know that the shift is going into the Asian market. You know, um, Ray Dalio talks about that as well. America is slow. The U.S. dollar is giving up power to Asia, Russia, China, etc. And Ripple is also pretty much active in the Asian space. So that means a lot. Swift, you know, we, we actually... Um, kicked Russia out of the SWIFT system in uh, in the first quarter of this year or second quarter. And you see people want something there, right? Ripple is in that field and is taking so much market shares. And in the long run, guys, there is going to be a big battle, but it looks like Ripple has good cards to win this. Yes, Selman. And what's pretty cool is that the managing director for RippleNet came out and said they have larger goals than taking over SWIFT. And so my mind goes, well, what's larger than the current banking system it's an upgraded version of the banking system where they're connecting your data to your transactions. That's what Ripple was built for. We got 255 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. I hope everyone is having an amazing Thursday. We're breaking down how Swift is going digital, and they're connecting over 11,000 banks around the world, doing about 45 million messaging transactions per day. Jackie, Ooh. if all of this transactions and all of this data comes onto the blockchains, forget if it's XRP or Chainlink. This is going to change lives, and this is what we talk about with generational wealth. I'd love to get some closing remarks from you here. Swift has no choice but to upgrade. We're witnessing them choose Chainlink here for that upgrade. What's it mean to you, Jackie? Um, yeah, Chainlink's a great project. I actually, Chainlink's one of those projects. I mean, they've been around so long within the cryptocurrency market. They're one of those like safe, kind of comforting ones because their price can stay pretty steady. Um, throughout, you know, they're they're just pretty steady and consistent. They don't take too, too many hits. Um, and they, you know, at the same time, sometimes Chainlink doesn't do amazing in the bull market, but there's something, I mean, they're a company that is going to stick around for the long term. I truly believe that just because they have time on their side. Um, also, 
kind of on a side note, you made me think of this um, as far as data, um, partnerships with blockchains, data, things like that. That's another thing to look into. Um, cryptocurrency projects that deal with data, um, cloud data, everything like that. We we're big on Filecoin. File exactly. I, was I just love file. <laughs> Filecoin. So take a look at those things because that is, um, that is another niche that is also going to be a huge use case. Um, you know, bull market kind of goes into niches. Uh, we saw that with metaverse. We saw that with gaming, you know? So if you can pick a niche, um, pick a few cryptos that kind of hasn't, you know, blown off yet, then, then there you go. Johnny, this is a pretty exciting part of our episode because we're going to break down how William Hinman was proven to be a part of the Ethereum Alliance and promoting that cryptocurrency. But we're going to dive into his entire schedule. I want to start off with this Cardano news, actually, Roto. Just some quick thoughts to make sure we get to this headline during the show. I put it in the title, so I want to make sure I get to it. Cardano's funding entity, Emergo, is going to invest $200 million over the next five years to boost Cardano's ecosystem. The majority of that funding is going to come in in a three-year period. And guess where they're targeting? They are starting in Africa, and we know that Africa is one of the most underdeveloped financial systems on the planet. So it's interesting. There's so much opportunity there. $200 million are going into Cardano. What could this mean, Rado? Well, if you think about Car Cardano, what Charles did, and the reason why he was smart about this was he said, where is the unbanked? And the majority of the unbanked people, there was a huge amount of unbanked people in Africa. So it made perfect sense that, you know, why would you go to someplace where people already have a bank, right? You already have a solution. Let's start in an area where there is no solution because these people obviously have had have never had the chance to be banked, and this is what it brings to the table. So another reason why, frankly, I've always, always been high on Cardano, thought the strategy was right, the approach was right, and now you got a bunch of money flooding into it too. Again, I mean, am I, you know, is Cardano going to be number one? No, probably not. But will they be a player in the game? You know, um, I think for certain they will be, and I certainly want to make sure – I have some of my eggs in that basket. And, you know, not to put any additional pressure on Selman and Collecti, but Digital Penalties, unfortunately, has all his eggs in Collecti's basket. So Collecti better deliver here because we don't want... Selman, I want to put a little positive spin on that. There's a great quote from Kobe Bryant. He said, if you put all your eggs in one basket, the only solution is get some more eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we don't want poor digital new pennies to only have pennies left. So, so I mean, uh, we love the collecting project. I'm just kidding. But uh, great collecting is a great project, guys. Hell yeah, my eggs are in that basket as well. So if you guys believe in collecting, show us some love. Smash that like button. I definitely believe in collecting. I'll go out on a limb and say that. But we got some pretty interesting comments. Shout out to Mentelect, one of our loyal listeners. He says, Charles Hoskins is doing the heavy lifting in this space. And if anybody yes. watched our show yesterday, we covered an article about Charles Hoskins speaking out against CBDCs. It's great to know there are some real players in this market, but uh, Selman, I'd love to get some quick news here. Expanding in Africa, $200 million. Could this be huge for Cardano? This is really huge. And uh, yesterday, fun fact, guys, yesterday there was a Twitter space with all these um, influencers. Coach was there, Kevin Cage, and Coach said Warriors Rise at the end. Kevin Cage posted that. That was that was a very spiritual, cool moment. And you, we have BitBoy Crypto there. And he said Solana. He doesn't like Solana. He said, but... He knows that there is a lot of money backing it. That's why it's not going to fail. They're always going to, you know, make it very good. And, 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 and now about Cardano, I believe, you know, there is a t great team working on it. The community is strong. And I always say it doesn't matter if it's an NFT project or Tesla, right? It doesn't matter. As a, a project is as good as its community, right? Your customers, all of that. There needs to be that support. They need to love you. That, that's why Apple is so successful. And just like that, if, you know, the community supports it, plus you see two, over $200 million in a recession right now, you hear the future investments of these, you know, um, projects. That pretty much means a lot. That means, okay, they don't give a, a damn about uh, the recession. That means they are thinking uh, ahead of the market and they know where to put their money. And $200 million is a lot of money. Imagine you put that money just in marketing. Cardano would skyrocket, right? And this is a better way of doing marketing. They're uh, developing an infrastructure in Africa. And these are the people that are unbanked. And pretty much when they, they're investing in the infrastructure of tomorrow. And so that means Cardano has a great potential to gain more customers, more users in the long run from, you know, African countries. But also, you know... Um, Establish that great, I would say, market share 
in the long run, you know, more and more people, more projects will adapt. We know that many NFT projects or developers are joining the space right now. And imagine what's going to happen in the next five years on Cardano if they continue like that. Tomorrow, we don't know what's going to happen, but uh, they are pretty much step by step going to a doing the smart decision. So I believe Cardano has a great future. Thank you, Salman. And I'd love to go to Jackie for some closing remarks here as this $100 million is going to be invested in Africa because they're focused on lending and borrowing crypto services in that area. This could be huge, not only for Cardano, but any cryptocurrency that's willing to expand and put the time into Africa. Cardano saw the long-awaited Vasil fork upgrade go live this September. This fork is going to allow for the use of smart contract and decentralized applications running on their network with limited friction. So there's many, many upgrades coming to this network. And Johnny Crypto leads the ADA army, according to me, of course. But Jackie, I'd like to get some closing remarks from you. Smart contract capabilities, decentralized applications, and now $200 million in funding. Cardano's taking it to the next level. What's it mean? Yeah, I I really want to touch off of what Salman was saying and add to that um, also along with what you were asking, Abs. That is something, you know, from the macro uh, standpoint of the cryptocurrency market, things that we say, this is going to obviously take years down the road. But a huge thing that I look out for as well is, you know, you need to get the bank, the unbanked banked. And the fact that Cardano is doing that with Africa, um, XRP has been working heavily. I mean, they're heavily integrating into the Philippines. I've been there and there are so many people in the Philippines that are unbanked. Um, so blockchains that are looking to do that first, you know, along the grand scheme of how all of this progresses down the line, um, that's that's a huge part of the 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 macroeconomics. That's a huge part of the you know the plan as far according to you know World Economic Forum, everything like that. So that's a big step in this whole you know to bring out CBDCs, to bring out UBIs, things like that. So that's a big thing to pay attention to. That gets me bullish on. Um, on Cardano, obviously, also, you know, XRP, we're already bullish on that. But the fact that XRP is doing that, um, you know, in Asian countries is really a cool thing to look out for, too. Thank you, Jackie. And I want to get Selman's opinion on this. Selman, we are showing a CryptoPunk yesterday. I had one of my friends, he's not involved in crypto whatsoever. And I showed him this picture and I said, how much do you think this sold for? He said less than $10. I said 4.4 million, my friend. But Selman, some quick remarks. What the heck is going on? Why don't you explain to people why someone would be able to pay 4.4 million for this JPEG? Why would anyone do that? Yeah, it's, you know, just like in real life, you have fine art, right? Which is pretty much uh, excluded. Uh, pretty much all retailers are excluded. It's just for the elites. And you have these collectibles, just like Pokemon cards, etc. Some special cards that are, you know, could also for taxes could be a great deal to collect something like that. That's what the elites are doing. And someone really purchased this one for 4.4. Even Gary V talked about CryptoPunks, how like, you know, these are pretty much the very first NFTs on the Ethereum blockchain and pretty much in the whole crypto space. So they have a special meaning and you just want to be part of that community and you just want to show off. And, you know, someone who pays 4.4 million for that, it doesn't have 5 million on its uh, on his or her bank account course they're super wealthy and this is for them just like a random card you would buy for a hundred dollars two hundred dollars or a thousand dollars so for them it's nothing it's peanuts but be, uh, being part of the board ABL club for example or crypto punks it, being part of that community or having access to that vip um utility right it's just insane people want that and this is why um people are willing to spend so much money and people are still very conservative they believe i'm not paying for a jpeg that much money yeah but like things will change. The metaverse is here. People are connecting in a different way. You see, pretty much we are already in a in a kind of, some kind of metaverse. Instead of like having fun drinking your coffee, people are taking pictures and uh, uploading them on Instagram. They don't really. Or if you go to a concert, you're recording everything, but you're not there. You're just doing that for others to to give you good comments, right? You already live in a metaverse. It's for you. It's more important that the digital asset is important, right? So guys, Thank please you. pay attention to that. Digital awesome. world is coming. Awesome. And we're going to get into some quant news. We're running low on time. So Johnny, we will address that question tomorrow. Can you remind me of that person's name and feel free to address it when I go to you here. But I have a great quote from Gilbert Verdant, who is the CEO of Quant. And he talked about how they're going to increase the market cap of this specific project. He said, our focus is on our clients and using our technology 
by real world usage and adoption. This will naturally be reflected in the market cap. And of course, that means a higher price for quant. Johnny Crypto, any quick remarks? Because I want to make sure we cover William Hinman's schedule today. Yeah, you know what? I mean, we've been talking about quants so much. I don't, we just hopped to Hinman's schedule. I mean, yes, the reality is, yeah, this is going to drive more use. Let's let's get to Hinman's schedule. I think that's more the more critical one. Awesome. Let's do it, guys. Let's dive right into this thing. We got 252 live listeners. Let's close this out on a strong note as William Hinman is being exposed as not only promoting Ethereum, but actually being paid by Ethereum Alliance members. So William Hinman's schedule was released to Fox Business this past week, and the meeting schedule, well, it was pretty transparent. What we found out is that William Hinman had not only met with many members of the Ethereum Alliance, he had met with Ripple over five times between 2017 and 2020. The last meeting they had together was actually just three weeks before the lawsuit was filed by Jay Clayton. And this is another negative sign for the SEC because they're showing the corruption right before our eyes. One thing I want to highlight is that William Hinman was paid over $10 million to promote Ethereum. And although it's not in this article, anybody who has the time, feel free to Google that. It's totally transparent. No conspiracy there. Johnny Crypto, what do you think it means that the public is now understanding that William Hinman was incentivized to promote Ethereum? I'm not so sure the public is even paying attention. Abs. I mean, I guess if you say public meaning us and our, and our warriors here, yeah, that small group of people are probably paying attention, but that's about it. Nobody gives you shit. Nobody cares. Nobody's paying attention to that they're watching Kardashian videos and things like that. Right. So I think that's what they're really looking at. So for me, I, I just think that just, just, you know, we, we all know the, the shady stuff that's been happening in the background and, and we're going to continue to find it, but it ain't going to matter. At the end of the day, the lawsuit will come to a settlement and everybody will forget this. I think the more important question, Abs, is this one right here from our man Love Stocks, or maybe woman, I don't even know. But here's the question to all you guys. So I'd oppose it. I love this question. So, guys, Selvin, Jackie, Abs, when your bags go to the moon, are we still going to see you guys daily on the show? Of course. I mean, I'm here with no money. Why, why would that change? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. We will always be here for you, you guys. You won't see me. I'll be out. Yeah. Ja ja <laughs> Don't worry. I'll corral Jackie back in. We'll get a nice radical, a nice team. You have to come find me. No. We're going to come back stronger than ever. And what's pretty cool is that as our net worth grows, all of our listeners who own the same projects, we're all going to get wealthy together. So it's going to be a pretty cool experience. Johnny Crypto, I want to show you this tweet that I found last night exposing another allegation by the SEC that is clearly not made to protect investors. Another day, another case of the SEC regulating by enforcement. This time, the SEC is claiming that airdrops meet the Howey's test for an investment of money, even if no one has money and if, no, and if that money doesn't exchange hands. The SEC is just attacking the cryptocurrency market, and I think there's good reason behind this. They want control. It's very simple. Johnny Crypto, any comments? Well, it's either that or they want the tax money, right? I think at the end of the day. So, listen, here's the thing. You know, anybody who's done their taxes this year in crypto, right? What you would have realized is there's a whole whelm of, it's complex. It's not easy. You've got DeFi. You've got airdrops. You've got rewards. You've got centralization. You've got exchanges reporting. Exchanges not reporting. Is it a reward? Is it interest? There's so many moving parts to this whole new economic element here that that DeFi and decentralization brings that it, it is complex i'm not going to say it isn't and the question is you know we need congress to get their head around it and put some legislation around how how to make all this work and hopefully not legislate it out of business right we want DeFi to be there we want people we want people <laughs> we want people i want to read that for our listeners johnny yeah, i want to remind our listeners of a very important historic event when Jesus turned water into wine, the SEC, the SEC actually sued Jesus for selling an unregistered security to his wedding guest. So it, it just goes to show. Go ahead, brother. <laughs> we got the best audience. I love these guys. Mentally, like you're the best. I love that. That's fantastic. If the SEC was around back then, they would. In fact, yeah, I guess that's why they crucified poor Jesus. Here, you just get a settlement nowadays. Thank God. But, uh, you know, yeah. So at the end of the day, I think this is just a very complex space. Congress, the SEC, the CFTC, they're all trying to figure it out. It all kind of came on so fast, if you think about it. While I know the crypto space has been, you know, the market's been around since 2012, 2013. The reality is, for most of us, we weren't in it. I wasn't in 2013. It wasn't in 2017 bull run. But in this one, something different was about it. Not only was it a bull run. But there was this convergence to now physical adoptions, real adoption and real use cases that now I think is just 
slapped on legislation. And the reality has hit, I think, everybody in the government saying, holy crap, this is here. This is real. It's here to stay. How do we handle it? And that and that's what you're seeing. You're seeing some scrambling because we're in the beginning abs. But once the regulation comes out and then people start to grab their, 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 the Congress folks and people can get their heads on how this works and what it is. And you got some Congress people that are trying to do that. So kudos to them. That's good to put some legislation in place on how to operate in this space. Then all this stuff we're seeing, I think, will will start to fiddle out and go away. Just awesome. got to give it time. Thank you, Roto. And we're about to close this thing off, but I want to make sure our listeners are aware BlackRock, an investment giant around the planet, is rolling out a blockchain ETF for European customers. And this is just another example of how early we are. We're trying to find the winners and losers in this space. And BlackRock, as well as other global financial institutions, are going to be the things that determine who wins and who loses. So it's interesting to see them adopting blockchain. But we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Jackie. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. And thank you to the CEO of Collecti Lab, Summon G. We got 243 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button on the way out of here, and we'll see you in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Jackie, we need some dancers. Yeah.